Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. It was a lot, but it was God, and it was good. So I wanted to kind of give you some feedback um, in regard to a couple of those trips. Estes Park, I was able to go first to Estes Park in Denver, Colorado. We met with the 25 supposed top leaders of uh, city transformation movements all across the nation. And it was an absolute blast. You can see our picture there. All these men and women lead one type of movement or another, whether it's prayer-based, whether it's seven-sphere-based, whether it's um, what we would call community development-based. There's typically, there's five different types of ministries or what we would call unity movements in cities across the nation, okay? So they look different ways. Some of them are service-based, kind of like our I Love My City event. Some of them are community development-based. If you're familiar with John Perkins and the work that they do, right? They're trying to help the poor, deal with systemic issues, things like that. Some of them are like um, Coddle, Coddle Network. We, we work all across the seven spheres of influence and we're uniting and creating coalitions within each of those seven spheres of influence. So we were there, of course. Some of them have a real narrow focus, like education. There's one woman there who's actually out in Arizona. Everybody say hi to Ellie. My mother-in-law's here today. We're so hey, glad Ellie. she's here. Hello. We love you, Ellie. Hello. Embarrass her a little bit. She razzes me all day long. <laughs> and me too. She's a fantastic mother-in-law. I couldn't ask for a better one. And the razz is well deserved. It's well deserved. You're right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so we go to this movement, and it was just awesome. It was just awesome. Um, every time I go, I learn something new. I meet someone new, and then I'm able to bring back some kind of a tool for our city. So I wanted to thank you real quick for sending me to that. Um, then our second slide. Laura, Shane, and I, all the elders, went to Minneapolis for my commissioning for the ordination I got in December with Patricia King. And it was an absolute blast. I just wanted to specifically thank Laura for funding that. That meant a lot to us. You paid for both of us to go, and um, that was a surprise. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to kind of eat the bullet on that one. Um, we try to save our funds here at the church for deacons' needs and rent, right? We have a small congregation, so we try to be real careful with that. But um, you really blessed us, Laura, so we wanted to publicly thank you uh, for that. Uh, we, it was really neat because I had a divine appointment with, obviously, Patricia King, who laid hands on me, straight up oiled my almost entire head. I said, let me move my hair. And she, she goes, oh, honey, anointing needs to smother an oil. She laid me up. She had my head going like this. I just was like, okay, I receive it all. I give up, right? That's right. She went down. So I'm standing in the receiving line, and it was... I felt like it was a prophetic sign. My last name is Butler, which means one who provides excellent service or oversees those that provide excellent service. It's a beautiful name. God's been speaking to me prophetically through it for years. And I get there and I'm thinking right to left because we're in America, right? So Butler's the B, I'm the first one up, so I go to the right and I stand in my place and I don't move. And every person that comes up goes to my right. And the Lord said, humble yourself and scooch over. I said, yes, sir. So I scooch over. And the next person goes to the front line. I said, okay. And the next person goes to the front line. He says, move. And then they're all able to squish down. And it was funny because I thought Patricia was going to start at the front of the line, right? Because that's where she was standing. And the Lord directed her to come all the way to the back. And 
heard that verse immediately, the greatest among us will be the servant of all. And it so resonated with me because he'd spoken that before through the meaning of my name. And it was just another word picture to me. As long as I continue to put others first and to lift others up and to love them well, he's going to make sure I get where he wants me to go. Amen? Yeah, so it was beautiful. So she came over, she laid hands on me, she prophesied a beautiful prophecy about my call to the nations, a confirmation there. They did ordain me again as an apostle. Um, it was just an absolute joy. Being in their network, um, I think my favorite thing about the way they operate is they truly celebrate the greatness in others and they're not afraid to do so. There's absolutely no competition, none. When you walk in a room, you know that you know that you know that everyone in that room wants you to succeed at who it is God called you to be. And I just absolutely love that. And that's a culture we're trying to create here in Lansing as well, which can be difficult in a capital city, right? You got those political spirits zipping around trying to be funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? Right? But God is bigger. Amen? That's right. Amen. Yeah, so then uh, Patricia did that. That's you can see in this picture here. Um, yeah. Where I'm standing, I'm all excited. That's when I scooted over. That's before I had to scoot over five times. Um, but I was very excited, and um, it was beautiful. As I was being prayed over and prophesied over, my left hand was burning. And I'm like, someone's got, someone's anointed, okay? Because I don't do the flaky, flaky, uh, fall over thing. That's not me, okay? If I'm going down, it's because Jesus is putting me down. So I'm sitting here. Someone's holding my left hand, and it's on fire. Like, it's hot. And I'm thinking, well, is she going through menopause? What's going on here? You know? I'm like, Lord, is this you? Is this supernatural? What is this? So I had to go back and watch the video afterwards. She showed me the video. And that lady right at the top there is a healing um, minister. She goes all over the nation and the world. Her name is Joan Hunter. And when Joan was holding my hand, my hand was on fire. And I was like, Lord, I receive that anointing in Jesus' name. So I had an opportunity to talk to her later and tell her a little bit about what had happened. I just thought that was a divine appointment. We may be bringing Joan Hunter here. For those of you that don't know, we did a Essentials to Healing by Bill Johnson and Randy Clark for a Bible study last year. Because the reality is we need to not only know about who God is and understand who Christ is, but we need to be able to walk therein, which means we have to learn and practice, right? Okay, so we study to show ourselves rightly approved. Um, it's a lot of fun. We do those Bible studies, but I talked to her a little bit about maybe bringing her in. She told a beautiful testimony about 17 individuals who had fibromyalgia. She yeah. said she lined them all up, and the Lord told her just break, break it, break it, break it. Went down all 17 yeah. healed in one conference. Yeah. So healing is real. It is for now. God has not changed. Um, we just have to equip the saints to do the work, right? And that is the work. Amen. So that was a beautiful appointment of favor. Then, of course, Laura has a dream, as always. And um, the Lord sent us out on a prophetic assignment to the headwaters of Mississippi. Poor Shane got baptized by fire. He doesn't usually go on these assignments with us, but he was driving us all over. We drove four hours north. Daddy sent us to the headwaters of the Mississippi. And the word was that if we were willing to pray and prophesy over the headwaters of the Mississippi, that the spirit of division in this nation would be dealt with. That literally the Lord was going to take the spirit of Leviathan and he was going to flush it out of the Mississippi River down out through the Gulf. And we said, okay. And it was not easy. We walked through some swampy stuff to do a salt covenant and prayed the Leviathan prayer. Obviously, decreeing love and hope and joy and peace and healing over the waters, right? Then we get an email when we get back um, and find out that... For those of you that do prophetic land assignments, you'll understand this. For those of you that don't see me afterwards, I'm not going to fully explain it. 
But bottom line, a squid, a never seen before squid was found in the Gulf of Mexico within three weeks of us returning. Okay, so number one, the enemy's exposed. Number two, we heard from the Lord. And number three, the enemy's defeated. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. Yeah. That's our daddy. That's our daddy. So we did that prophetic assignment, and then the Lord also sent us to, um, is it, how do you say your name? Olian Omar? Oh, Ilian Omar. Ilian Omar, thank you. Yeah, okay, so we got this word about the headwaters. We got this word about God's love for Ilian Omar, and they're in District 5 of all places in Minneapolis. And we look on the map, and the roads are shaped in a heart around her district exactly like that. And for those of you that don't know, she's a political figure. She's a beautiful, young Muslim woman who um, is really given the United States kind of a hard time, and the legislature and representatives a hard time right now. So the Lord had us go pray around her district just for a true redemptive love to be restored, mm -hmm. for her heart to be healed, for redemption to come to that particular district, for people to be saved. And um, there were many, many confirmations there as well. So thank you for sending us, Laura, really, for sending us Shekinah, but taking us, it was beautiful. That picture that was on that last slide with the butterfly breaking through, I feel like it's uh, been one appointment of divine favor yes. after the next yeah. since the alignment. Would you say that is true? Yes, and I received that. Amen. Yes, I would definitely so agree with we, that. We did the headwaters assignment, then shifted and um, into the uh, District 5 assignment. And I get back, and Patricia King tells me she wants to introduce me to Stacy Campbell. Mm -hmm. Stacy Campbell, for those of you who don't know, does prophetic assignments all over the world. Uh, she specifically is focusing right now on activating the seven spheres of influence. And I was just so humbled. I'm like, don't play cool, play cool. I'm like, that's wonderful. That'd be great. You know, and she's looking at me like, do you know who Stacey Campbell is? And I'm like, yes, I do. I'm trying not to act like a five-year-old right now. <laughs> and uh, Stacey and I were able to connect on Messenger the other day. She's going to call me back when she gets back from Mongolia. So it's, I'm just, it's time. It's just time. So then uh, Jackie had had a dream about Disney a couple months ago. She was gonna be in Alabama, so she couldn't go on this assignment with us, but we knew we were supposed to do something. I'm not gonna go into all the details, but basically some workers at Disney were being oppressed, okay? The Christian workers in the dream. They were being oppressed, they wanted to share their faith, but didn't know how to share their faith. And um, she shared the dream with me, and I, Holy Spirit was like, you need to shift beyond just Christian leaders in the church, Stephanie, you need to start ministering to people who are in the marketplace and teaching them to break through in their spheres of influence, whatever that is. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, Lord, you're going to have to open the door because I don't even know how to start doing that. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know what that means. So my friend Jeremy White calls me from Vermont. He's a prophet who was under Kim Clement, was commissioned by Kim Clement to be um, the lead intercessor over that whole movement when that was going on. He's precious. He's humble. He's been through it and back, if you know what I mean. And he stayed in it to win it. And uh, I tell him the dream. I'm just, we're just making small talk. And he says, I know who that dream's about. And I said, well, what are we going to do about it? And he says, well, we'll give him a call. I said, what do you mean, what are we going to do about it? I said, what are we going to do about it? You can't let it sit. God gives a prophetic dream. We need to act on it. That's how we roll. We don't do that, right? We don't just let it sit. So we talked to his friend out there. This picture here. You can go to the San Francisco slide, love. Thank you, darling. This is our group, okay? Do you, how many of you got to see the Star Wars movies? Anybody? 
the newer ones. All the new ones? Yes, Todd's raising his hand. Thank you, Todd, I loved them. Okay, so this guy here on the left-hand side of the picture with the backpack on and all the way in the back row on the opposite side of me, his name is Scott, and they did all the special effects for the Star Wars movies. They were, they were hired to do that, they're amazing. They are positioned to be one of the top worldwide special effects companies and are currently in Africa right now on um, a special assignment, learning some things and taking a bit of a reprieve from San Francisco because of the atmosphere there and they needed a break. And that's who God appointed us to, that's who Jeremy was talking about. And I'm like, God, you've gotta be kidding me. Jackie has a dream, we say we wanna obey, you open the door through a guy in Vermont that I just literally met like six months ago and I'm finding myself talking to one of the top arts apostolic leaders mm -hmm. that's affecting the entire world mm -hmm. through the arts. And I was like, I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I wanted to do my dance, I'm like, that's our daddy, mm -hmm. right? He can do that. That was in less than two weeks. So we took a team out there, we could only take four tickets because we all flew on standby. Jeremy paid for my ticket both ways because I was leading the team and then the girls all paid for their own. Welcome, Jacqueline, good to see you, love. Okay, and it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. We had an opportunity to stay with Apostle Han. He's building an apostolic network in the homes um, there, Fivefold Ministry Apostolic Network. He's writing a book and putting together the systems for that. He wants me to read over that and come back and do a conference there for women and leadership. And I thought that was fun, so we've agreed to do that. We'll be going back. We prayed all over the city like we always do with the prophetic assignments. We picked three specific locations. I'll tell you only one testimony because there's too many to tell. Well, I'll tell you two. Number one, Scott's son was healed. He's a young boy. He had constipation issues all the time, so much so he had a fear of going to the bathroom and of shower drains. And what would happen is he would literally go weeks, three, four weeks, and they'd have to take him to the hospital because he wouldn't go to the bathroom. So he gets all stopped up and he can't breathe, the kid's crying, he's coming to sit on his dad's lap. And it was funny because he didn't have us lay hands on him, he didn't have us anoint him, he didn't have us do any of the typical stuff that you'd think he would have us do. What we had taught Scott about Sozo, actually, how to ask Holy Spirit what's the lie that you're believing and what is the truth, that simple process of conversing with Holy Spirit, um, he was able to apply with his son in that moment. He's looking at me like, can we pray? What do we do? I don't want to scare him. And I said, just sozo him. He goes, what? I said, what we did with you on the mountain? <laughs> he goes, okay. So he takes him in the bathroom, asks him, I want you to ask God, what is the lie that I believe? He asks his son, the Lord shows him the lie. And he said, and I want you to ask God, what is the truth? He asks, the son asks God, and God shows the son the truth about what the truth is. He went to the bathroom immediately, and he's never had another problem since. It's been, it's been hey. what, three weeks, two, three weeks yeah. now? But come on, give God a hand. That's good, right? Sometimes we think it's gotta be a big show, but it doesn't always have to be a big show. Sometimes it's just a matter of introducing people to the one who knows, amen? It was awesome. So that was testimony one. Testimony two is kind of fun. Uh, working with the two apostolic leaders, the one was over the Arts Mountain, kind of representing the Arts Mountain, that's what our primary focus was, and the other one was more working with the church. So they were both there with us. We did a five-fold ministry activation, prophetic activation on the top of Mount Davidson, where there's a 103-foot cross standing. And we're on the evangelist and talking about China, praying over this guy, who, by the way, was a Calvinist, didn't even believe in the supernatural, and was very nervous about what we were doing before we left, and then was full on board by the time we were done. Come on, Jesus. He's like my best buddy, emailing you now. And um, he's standing there, and God's doing what he does, and he's giving us words, and we're prophesying over, and he starts to cry. 
and he tells us about all this stuff that's going on in this ministry that he's in that he's not allowed to talk about. There's been a gag notice, but he gets to go back. Everything we were saying was dead on. He gets to go back the day after we finish up, and he he's able to finally share what it is that his perspective is on the whole situation for the first time. So he just kept saying to us, you have no idea how perfect this is. And the word over him is he was standing in this evangelist because he's over an organization that oversees the missions for all of Asia, all of Asia, millions and millions of dollars for all of Asia, sending people into Asia. And this is who God brings into our tiny little group, just happens to bring. <laughs> nothing Come tiny on, about daddy. that. That's our daddy. That's nothing nothing yes. tiny about that. Nothing tiny about that, amen. That's our God. So he's standing in as the evangelist, and we're starting to pray over the activation of the evangelist, and this is what happens. So we're all on the top of Mount Davidson by ourselves. It's foggy. There are trees all around us. The, the cross is behind us. And you know when you do a prophetic act, you're trying not to be noticed. Okay? <laughs> this guy comes flying up over the back of the cross, which I don't know where he came from. Okay? I have no idea where this guy came from because on, here's the cross. It's flat like this. The back side of that mountain is like this. So that means he ran up that steep mountain. And he comes jetting over onto the path out of the blue as we're prophesying over the evangelist. And it was like Holy Spirit said in that moment, I'm sending the evangelist out today in Jesus' name okay. in the state yeah. okay, of California from San Francisco, which, by the way, is the city of the seven hills. And if you know anything about Israel, which has also got seven hills in it, it was like from yes. that mount, God was painting a prophetic picture about San Francisco and the reality yeah. that it's like a prophetic picture of Israel in our nation. There's something significant about it there, which is why the enemies come so hard against San Francisco. So here comes this evangelist jetting up over the cross, and we're laughing and prophesying over the evangelist, and somebody says, God has sent out the evangelist, and the guy starts to cry more. He's like, oh, that's so great. <laughs> so us being us, continue to prophesy, continue to pray. It takes forever. You know how we are. We want to say everything Daddy has to say. We're downloading these people. We're blessing them. Yeah. We finally start to wrap it up. We finish everything we're supposed to say over the evangelist. And another guy, random, out of the blue, I don't know where he's coming from because on the other side of the path, all that's there in front of us, the two paths are supposed to be left and right. <laughs> this guy comes out of nowhere where there's a cliff, a cliff, literal cliff, all the way right here. There's a path going this way and a path going this way. He comes from the area of the cliff. Nobody saw him because it was all foggy. And he comes running towards us, comes up on the top of the platform where we're ministering, and yells, we are the champions! We are the champions! And I knew that I knew that I knew. I'm like, Lord, this is an angel. This is not just some random guy. This is an angel. And it was a sign from heaven saying that in Christ we are the champions, that the evangelist has been sent out, and now is the time for more delay. Come on, somebody. You need to thank God for that. And all that came out of one young woman's prophetic dream mm -hmm. and her yeah. act of obedience of sharing right. and interpreting. Come on. That's right. So those are just a few stories about what God's doing when we're being sent out. So I want to thank you, Shekinah International. You are awesome. You are, I couldn't have asked God for a better family. You guys sent me well. And God is doing things. And everything he gives me, this is what I pray every time I go, Father God, freely I've received, freely I give. So Father, I just ask right now in Jesus' name for an impartation of everything you've given me for everyone here today in Jesus' name. The favor, the grace, the revelation, the relationships, the peace, the increased authority, Father God, the increased wisdom and the increased understanding. I say everything you gave to me, give it to them as well. Say, I got it. I got it. Amen. Jesus' name, amen.
Yeah, so this message was for a special person who's not here today, but I'm hoping he gets to hear it online. Yeah. And Jaden has a very special friend uh, from work that he was hoping would come today. And um, he says, Mom, please, I beg you, could you just, just do the simple gospel today? And I had to laugh. Because uh, his, his friend don't know the Lord. Because you know me. Those that know me, it's okay, laugh. You know who I am. Yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> so you, you can feel his pain. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I said, okay, right, we're ready. Just straight, just out, straight out of the Bible, nothing, you know. I said, okay, okay. <laughs> not, not the two-hour version. Two hours. Right? So y'all are getting out early today. I had a short message planned. So I'm mulling it over the last couple days, and I'm like, Father God, what do you want to say to your people, right? And I'm not getting anything, and I've got this kid in my mind. I'm thinking about him, right? I'm praying about him. He does know the Lord. He's claimed to be an atheist, but Jane invited him to church, and he said yes. So he's been in my heart all week, and I'm praying for this young man, and I'm just starting to hear, you know, God's heart for him specifically. And this is what came up. It was like Father God wanted to say to him, I've been misrepresented by man. And it was important to him. And I feel like we need to know that as a church too. I, I have been mis, he's been, he feels, he wants us to know he has been misrepresented by man. And he followed that up with, I am who I am. I am who I am. In other words, I'm not necessarily what men have said I am. I'm not necessarily what the church historically has shown me to be. I'm certainly not limited to that but I am who I am. I have not changed. Their interpretation, their understanding of me, who they say I am has changed, but I have not changed. He says, I am the same yesterday, come on somebody, today and forever. Amen. Amen. And then he started to remind me, and I talk about love all the time. I'm an apostle, that's what I do. Love is like the litmus test, right? It's a litmus test of the apostle. You don't get love, you don't get that role. Okay, you need to love people enough to die for them. <laughs> and it was like he wanted this church to know, I am love. I am not angry. I am not disappointed in you. I am not frustrated with you. I am not irritated with you. I am not short-tempered. I am not an angry God. I am not an angry father. And I was going through my Facebook page and was uh, remembering something I posted a while back and I saw this little tidbit. And it says, the sweetest time of the day is when you pray because you are talking to the one who loves you most. Amen. Now the world will tell us that I love me most. The world will tell us that she loved me most or he loved me most. The world will tell us that mama or papa loved me most, but the truth of the matter is your creator, the creator of heaven and earth, God himself, Father God, loves you most. He formed you in your mother's womb. He created you for a divine purpose. He knows your shortcomings and he knows your divine potential. He loves you. He assigned an angel to you the day you were born. Has constant presence with him anytime it wants to. He loves you. 
He watched over you and the enemy tried to take you out. He made sure you came full to birth. He made sure those hardships that you went through didn't ruin you. He loves you. He provided for you when it seemed like there wasn't enough. He healed you when you thought you couldn't be put back together again. He loves you. God is love. God is not angry. And then he sort of started to talk to me. Holy Spirit started laying on my heart the idea that the Bible is a, God's love letter to you and to me. It's his love letter. We've been told it's doctrine. We've been told it's stories. We've been told it's how we get things from God. But the truth of the matter is that it's his love letter to you and to me. It's everything that is in his heart from the beginning of time till the end of time. It's everything that is in his heart from before time because he's eternal unto time never ending. It's outside of time. God reveals all kinds of names, his names throughout scripture. We're going to focus on nine or ten of them today. Paul says in Romans 10, 14, when he's talking about the Jews, because he was really called to the Gentiles. You know that, right? He was called to the Gentiles, but um, he had a heart for the Jewish people. There's some prophecies that come out. They told him, if you go to Jerusalem, you're basically going to die. And he said, I'm ready to go. i got to go talk to my people. I'm okay with that. Imagine the passion and the love that that takes to get a prophecy and know that you know it's going to be the last place you go, but you say, I'm going anyway. God forbid that my people don't hear the goodness and the grace and the gospel that's available. I'm going anyway. If it's my day, it's my day. Amen? Amen. I love, uh, I can't wait to meet him when we get there. So in Romans 10, 14, he says, how then can they call on the one, okay, God, they have not believed in? And how can they believe on the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Amen? One of our greatest privileges is to be carriers of the gospel, carriers of the hope the forgiveness, the healing, the grace, the courage that God has freely given us. So I'm thinking about this kid and just being convicted again um, about our call as the church, right, to share the love, to be Christ to our community, right? And I'm like, well, Lord, your word is your love letter. I mean, how do you preach that? How do you, someone that doesn't know the Lord, someone that's never heard of him or has been hurt so bad that, that he's said in his mind, you no longer exist. How do you say it in a way that condenses it down and boils it down where there's enough understanding about who you are that just like Romans says, how can they call on you if they don't know you? So he reminded me about the, covenant names, or the combined compound names, if you will, of God. Mm. And there are several. I've got them listed up here for you. I think there's nine. Yeah, 
nine covenant names. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that there's nine covenant names? There's nine fruits of the Spirit. There's nine gifts of the Spirit, and there's nine covenant names of God. Nine in the Hebrew represents the fullness of fruit. It's not an accident that there's nine covenant names that start with yud he vav he or like we say in America, Jehovah, right? Which means the covenant keeper, the covenanted one. That there's nine fruits of the Spirit when we're one with him, when we're operating in oneness with God and with Christ, that there's nine fruits of the Spirit in our life that can manifest, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, so on and so forth. And that there's nine gifts of the Spirit, right? Speaking in tongues, healing, right? So on and so forth. All the supernatural gifts, the administration. I just think God is amazing. And then I sense, like, if we could go over these names, over these nine names, it would be enough to give someone who maybe has had God misrepresented to them a good picture of who God really is as Father. So we're just going to briefly go over those, and this won't take long today. Jehovah Elohim. Can you say that with me? Elohim? Elohim. The names of God have power. Every time we speak them, how many of you are familiar with quantum physics? Anybody familiar with quantum physics in the room? A little bit? Okay. And the power, we talked at the beginning of the year of the power of sound. How literally God in the beginning created the world with his words. The Hebrew language is so amazing because when you take a piece of paper, they do this test, and you put it on the top of a speaker like this, if you flip the speaker on its back and you put a piece of paper on it, you cover it with sand and you speak the Hebrew letter chet, chet, and you speak it again and again, the sand moves. And it moves and it vibrates and it moves until it actually forms the Hebrew letter. There's something divine about the Hebrew language. That's why God said, these are my people. So I love, anytime we get a chance to speak in Hebrew, I just love the Hebrew language. It's beautiful. Elohim. Elohim, Jehovah Elohim means the covenanted one who is the supreme creator God. Comes from Genesis 2.4. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth. When they were created in the day that the Lord God, Jehovah, which is Jehovah Elohim, okay? And we say Jehovah because Jehovah in the Hebrew doesn't actually have any consonants. It's yud he vav he it's four letters. So you'd be like yud You can't do that, right? So we say Jehovah, we put some vowels in there to make it easier to say, okay? Just so you know, if someone tries to get all religious with you and tell you, well, that's not how you say the name of God. You say, yeah, I'm aware of that. I'm just trying to be relatable, okay? <laughs> your mom's like, I can talk to that person. <laughs> we all been there, amen? Amen. So these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God, Jehovah Elohim, made the earth and the heavens. This name identifies Jehovah with creation of all things, and the triune God is also the redeemer of all his people. So there's this idea that God is creator. In other words, we didn't come from nowhere. There, wasn't, there was a big bang, but it wasn't just a theory. There was someone behind the big bang. They spoke, and poof, and the big bang happened. Something banged into existence, amen? 
God is a creator. He's creative. Jehovah Yireh is the second name, and it means the Lord will provide. I love the context of this particular verse. It's in Genesis 22:14. The Amplified Version is beautiful. It says, so Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. Jehovah Yireh. And it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. God had provided a substitute in that moment when he had told Abraham to go up to the top of the mountain and take your one and only son, your one and only son that you love. Do you remember that story? And I want you to sacrifice him at the top of the mountain. And Abraham didn't know what was going to happen. He did it by faith. He trekked up the mountain. He rode the donkey three days. He put the wood on his son's back. And on the way up, the son asked him, Isaac says, well, Daddy, where's the sacrifice? All the while, Abraham's trusting God. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Mm -hmm. They get to the top of the mountain, and Abraham's about to do his business. Right? He's got the knife up here. It says he's actually holding it up and ready to thrust his own son. The Lord says, stop. Stop. And then there's a ram caught in the thicket. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus. The Lord never intended for Abraham to have to sacrifice his own son. He had that ram ready from the moment he told Abraham to go. The ram's horn was caught in the thicket and the ram was sacrificed instead. And that's where the name Jehovah Yaira comes from. Romans 8.32 says, he who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Can anybody say amen? amen. I want all other things. Right? We don't have to be miserable because we're in Christ. We've actually been set free and we've been blessed and we've been highly favored. And now the door is open to us to begin to walk in such a unity, in such a oneness with God that we can literally have access to all things in heaven on earth. We can participate, Peter says, in the divine nature. Who gets to say that? Seriously, think about that just for one second. We get to participate in the divine nature. Christ in us, literally the hope of glory. What an honor. What an honor. We get to go on trips like this, prayer journeys, and pray for people, and, and hear the voice of God, and interact day in and day out, and see people's lives absolutely revolutionized and changed. Not as a result of necessarily who we are, but who we co-labor with, amen? amen? What an honor. That's our God. He created us. He provides for us. There's this picture of the provision of Jesus, right? So I was working my way down the names, and I'm like, Daddy, what do you want me to say about that? I call God Daddy because he's our Daddy. It says in the scriptures that we can actually call him Abba, which in the Hebrew is Dada, right? So we can, he wants us to be in such intimate and close relationship with him that we can say to him, Daddy, like, I don't even know. It doesn't even matter what I pray. I just don't know. I know that I need you right now. So I call Daddy, Daddy. I call Father God, Daddy. And you can too, okay? And I'm looking back over these names. I'm like, how does this connect? Like, what's the thread? And it began to just show me that these covenants names, it's almost a picture of what someone needs to see about God before they can believe on him and call on his name. They need to know 
that he is supreme, that he is in control, that there's nothing out of his control, that they are safe. They need to know that a sacrifice was paid on their behalf, that they don't have to pay the price for the sin that they've participated in, amen? Amen. And then Jehovah Rapha, they need to know that he can heal from the mess, from the brokenness, from the mistakes they've made. In Exodus 15, 26, he says, and he said, this is the first mention of Jehovah Rapha, and he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of your Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I've put on these Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. Do you remember that story? Well, they're in the land of Egypt, right? And what did they have to put on the doorpost, guys? The blood of Jesus. It was a picture of Passover. That was the first Passover ever. And they had to put the blood of the lamb. Who's the lamb? Jesus, that's right. That was how they escaped the disease. Do you remember? He said, go and hide in your houses. And then death passed over them. Come on, somebody. Do you see it yet? Come on. I got excited when I saw this. I started to see the thread. I got excited. Mm-hmm. So he reveals himself as being supreme, as in control. He lets us know that we're safe. He reveals himself as the lamb or the ram, right? Being sacrificed on our behalf through the son, his son, Jesus Christ. And then he begins to heal us as we step into that place where we say, yeah, I need Jesus. I'm gonna hide myself in him. I can't save myself. I done messed this up. (laughs) Now I need you to heal some of these broken things in my life. Then it goes on, and the next name is Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. Come on, somebody. For those of you that like to dance and sing like I do, you'll notice here at Shekinah, we have all these beautiful colored flags. Each flag represents a different aspect of who God is. Like, for example, purple, like Laura said, is royalty. Gold is glory, right? Green is the life of God. Each Hebrew letter has a literal numeric significance, and many, many of the names of God have meanings, just like we're going through right here. So it's really fun. They all have colors associated with them, sometimes to pick up those flags and just be, participate with God as creator and let him dance through you. Let him wave a banner through you. Let him speak to you and say, I want you to pick up the blue one or the gold one or the yellow one or the bronze one, right? Yellow is his presence or the one that looks like fire because I want to light this room up. I want to do something in this place, amen? Amen. That's why we do that, it's so fun. So Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Now, most of you may know that back in the day when they went to war, they actually carried banners with them and with their tribe name on it, right? So the tribe of Judah had the Judah banner in front of it, um, so on and so forth, we won't name them all, tribe of Dan, yada, 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 okay? And in Song of Solomon 2.4, is one of my very favorite books, and this is what it says. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. It goes right back to what we were talking about before. He says, I am not an angry God. 
I am not a frustrated God. I am not a short-tempered God. His banner over you and over me is love. He always has our best interest in mind. He created you and formed you in that womb with something good in mind for you, something good in mind for your family, something good in mind for your future. His banner over you, just picture that in your mind's eye. Holy Spirit, ask him right now, Holy Spirit, what does your banner over me look like? He wants to show you a picture of that. What does your banner over me look like? Because it is love. Everywhere you go, your banner is with you. Everywhere the Israelites went to war, anytime we step outside of our, pro our prayer closet, we have entered into warfare mode. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Leah and I were just joking. She says, seems like every time I do something good, something bad happens. I said, baby, that's called backlash. <laughs> you done made a difference for the kingdom. That's right. Right? And the enemy's just testing to see if he can get you off your game. But just like Jamar said, it don't matter. It's not there actually to make you stronger. It's actually there to reveal the weakness in you so you'll go back to your banner. That's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. His banner over you is love. So everywhere you go this week, I want you to think about that. Every room you step into, you just see that banner over you. I am loved. The creator of the universe dwells in me. He called me for such a time as this. I am predestined for greatness. I know my God, therefore I will do great exploits in his name. Nothing is impossible with my God. I am not here by myself. I am not abandoned. I am not isolated. I am not, there is no wound in me that he cannot heal. Amen? amen. amen. Can anybody say amen? I, amen. amen. I want to encourage myself. Amen. Yes, amen. thank you. Too late. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Thank you. Amen. Beautiful. That's our daddy. That's our daddy. He has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten where you've been. He, does, he has not forgotten where you are right now. He knows, and he's got his finger on the pulse of it. And all we need to know is what you're trying to teach me about you. That's it. So the next one is Jehovah Shalom. Say Shalom. Shalom. I like to say that a lot, it's Hebrew. Shalom, shalom, that's how they say it over there when you go, it's a lot of fun. Shalom, shalom, it's very happy and sing-songy. Shalom, shalom, I don't know if it's because of all the mountains or whatever, but we walk in and we just say that. Shalom, shalom, it's so nice to meet you. It means peace, the Lord is my peace. We translate a peace here in America, but the reality is this, it actually means wholeness in every single area of your life. means wholeness, prosperity, mental, physical, emotional, financial, spiritual wholeness. Anybody want that? Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Me too. Yes. We know that that's what we're created for. Amen. Judges 6, 24 is the first mention of the name Jehovah, Shalom. So where Gideon built an altar there under the Lord and called it Jehovah, Shalom. When God called Gideon to lead the Israel to victory over the Midianites, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. When he realized it was the angel of the Lord, he thought he would die. Somebody, somebody, anybody ever been there? Yeah. He thought, if I see the Lord right now, I'm going down. Yeah. 
Amen. If you if you haven't been there, you lying or you ain't been there. You ain't been you ain't seen Jesus. All right. You ain't you ain't dug in enough to go. But we all been there. Anybody that's pressed in's been there. Amen. It says the angel assured him that he would not die, and spoke peace to him. Shalom. Jehovah assured him that he would live and lead Israel to triumph. Now y'all know Gideon was scared, right? He in fact was a little bit cowardice, okay? He's the one that put the fleece out and said, Lord, do you want me to go? I'm gonna turn it again. Lord, do you want me to go? I'm gonna turn it again. Lord, just one more time, I'm so sorry. I'm not quite sure I can do this. Surely not me, not Gideon. <laughs> right, kind of like Moses, but I'm a man with a stammering tongue, amen? Yeah. Jehovah was peace to him even before the battles began. Shalom, peace means so much more than freedom from conflict. It means prosperity, health, well-being, and faith and courage to face a conflict. Earlier this year, I went to an event with um, some First Nations people. We love to worship with them. I was sent to that. And my favorite guy, I cannot forget him. And I shared this with some of you, so you've seen it. <laughs> He's, he walks up backwards to the stage like this, clapping. Go back. And I'm looking at him. And I thought, ooh, I like him. <laughs> he gets up on stage. He does this all the way from his seat, all the way up on the stage, backwards, the whole way. And he says, in my nation, you better be glad that I'm walking backwards because it's a sign of humility that I'm here to serve you. Because when I start coming forward, we're at war. And the reality is, God is actually raising us up to be an army. Amen. We are called soldiers of the Lord for the display of his power. Amen. We're created to fight a spiritual war. We were not against flesh and blood. Okay, I'm not talking about no crazy Marxism. Nobody put that out there on Facebook. That's not what I'm saying. Okay? We're not talking even about a political war. Okay, because we're seeing a lot of that in the nation right now either. It's ridiculous. We're talking about a love war, the supernatural war, a war that's happening in the heavens. We war not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, powers of wickedness, and where? High places. And they come at you through people. But we are being raised up to be soldiers and warriors and generals and apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers that know how to face it, like my friend, and take the humble stance and just back it up. Oh, darling, I'm going to love you today. But I got the grace that the Lord ever says, right? I'm going to do that with the, against the spirit that's coming through so the person can live. Amen? Sometimes we tolerate too much of that nonsense. Mm -mm. Jesus didn't play. He turned over tables in the temple. He called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones. Now... In our day, some would say he's dishonoring or he's disrespectful, but I'll tell you what, Jesus didn't play around. Mm -hmm. He was always gracious and he was always loving and he always did exactly what the Father showed him to do and said exactly what the Father told him to say. But some of the things he said, you could have been an onlooker and thought, whoa, I would never do that. Sometimes you just need to tell it like it is, amen? And it's all right. So we go on to the next one, and uh, the Lord is our peace, right? Going back over. 
He's in control. He's creator. He provided for us. He begins to heal us. Then he reveals his love to us. Then he becomes our peace as we begin to walk with him. And then we know him as our shepherd. If you're familiar with the story of the shepherd in Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. There's a teaching on uh, shepherds by Keller, who was a shepherd himself and lived over there for some time. But it talks about a good shepherd will take a sheep that always runs away and runs off and gets lost. There's a lot of dangers out there to sheep. They can get bugs in their eyes. That's why they anoint the eyes with oil so they don't get infested and infected. They can have two, they, get, they call them fat. They get fat and what happens is the wool gets so big. There's a picture on, on line which is hilarious. You can look it up. A sheep that hasn't been sheared, they can get up to 80 pounds of wool. They can't move. Like it's too much weight on their knees and on their joints and on their body. They call them fat sheep. They need to be sheared down. They haven't been taken care of, right? Yeah. Yeah. They can get devoured by animals, right? So you got lions and tigers and bears, oh no. Right? They can get stuck in what they call crags, okay? So a lot of times the shepherds have to go through the mountains or up and around the different paths with the rocks and things. Sheep are very delicate. If their foot gets stuck in a crag and they can't get out, then they're basically trapped in their bait or whatever's out there, right? They can get lost in watering holes, yada, yada, yada. There's a million things that can happen to sheep. So the shepherd has a rod and a staff. The rod is for discipline. The staff is for hooking and bringing them back. Amen? When a sheep continues to go off over and over and over and over again, and it just strays and strays and strays and strays. This is gonna sound cool, but this is actually what they do. The shepherd will take the sheep and he literally breaks the leg. And then he places the sheep around his neck and he carries it there until the leg heals, months. Wraps it up, he sets the bone, carries the sheep around his neck. And the sheep gets so used to being close to the shepherd that after that, the sheep never strays again. It won't leave his side, mm -hmm. right? Anybody been through the breaking process with God? Mm -hmm. Right? You knew him as love. He healed you up a little bit, and then you ran and ran and ran and ran. Crack! Oh, dear. He whipped you up around his shoulders, and you're like, I'm really glad to be here, but I'm still in pain. Amen? Once you get to that place with God where he's Jehovah Ra'ah, he becomes your shepherd, you never want to leave his side. You pray day in and day out. You want to hear his voice in everything you do. You're watching movies and it's speaking to you about who God is and what he's saying and how much the world needs him. Knowing God as shepherd is one of my favorite things. It was the breaking time, but it was the most precious time. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus speaking. The good shepherd risks and lays down his own life for the sheep. And Peter in 1 Peter 5.4 says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Jesus is the good shepherd, right? Kind of like David, the story about David. He wasn't afraid of the lion. He said, I took out a lion. I took out a bear. He was willing to lay down his life. For the sheep, right? And I'm just going to say this for 
Somebody needs to hear it. So whoever's watching on Facebook, I know y'all got good shepherds here. But whoever's watching on Facebook, if you got a shepherd that isn't willing to lay down their life for you, you need to find a new one. Because hmm. a true shepherd is willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that you fulfill the fullness of who it is God's called you to be. Hmm. And they will find you, and they will lay down their life to make sure you become everything he's created you to be. Hmm. And if that ain't happening, you need to run. Hmm. Find a new place. Find a new place. I'm just saying It's dangerous when you get a wolf in the house, someone that wants to promote their agenda, promote their ministry, make it about them, put themselves on the platform. It's dangerous. Mm. And we got them. Mm. Jesus, mm -hmm. help people. So the next name is Jehovah Tzigenu. You can say that with me, say Tzigenu. It's like a T and an S together. Tzigenu. Jehovah Tzikhenu, this is one of my favorite words too, names of God. It's the Lord is our righteousness, right? So he reveals himself as all-powerful creator. Then he reminds us that he brought provision for us, that he begins to heal our heart. And he shows us that his banner over us is his perfect love. It starts to give us peace. He reveals himself as shepherd because we don't fully get it. We keep running away. He's going to break our legs and bring us close. Then he says, but don't worry. Yeah, you ran, you ran, you ran, you did your thing. But I'm giving you, I am the Lord God, your righteousness. In Jeremiah 23, 6, in the Amplified Version, it says, In his days Judah shall be saved, and all Israel shall dwell safely. And this is the name by which he shall be called. This is a prophecy about Jesus, the Lord God, our righteousness. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 1, 30, it says, But of him... Are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption. In the NIV, I like that version a little bit better with that verse. It says, he has become for us righteousness from God. In other words, your righteousness is a gift. It's not something you have to perform to attain. It's not something you have to beg for. Amen? Come on. It's a gift. It's all right that you ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. It's a gift. Tell your neighbor, say, you are righteous. You are righteous. You are righteous. You are righteous. And then you tell them, say, well, so am I. So am I. That's right. Yeah. You are, you are the righteousness of God. And when we go through that, that shift, that it's no longer something that we have to perform to attain, that it's a gift given to us, and we actually just receive it, our hearts begin to settle. We stop trying to strive and perform and to make it happen. Stop trying to win favor with certain people and curry favor with the wolves in the pack. We just rest in the reality of our shepherd and we be who God created us to be and we're full, full, filled up with joy. And then it starts to work itself out in us and then through us. Well, I am righteous. Then you start to act righteous, right? Well, I am. This is who I am. Why would I be any different? It starts to affect our, your thoughts, your attitudes, your heart, your actions, your friendships, the movies you watch, what you eat, where you go, how you pray, how you worship. It starts to come out. Then his next name is Jehovah Sabaoth. Sabaoth. Then you can say Sabaoth. It's actually T S A. Sabaoth. Isn't that beautiful? 
And it's the Lord of hosts. Come on. Mm. Every time I think about this, I think about Joshua standing outside Jericho. And the Lord of hosts shows up and he says, are you for me or for my enemies? What the Lord say to him? Neither. Neither. But I am here for the Lord. Right. right? That's a good lesson. He's the Lord of hosts. We are in a, a world where a supernatural realm exists. And the mainstream churches have talked about it, but people, it is real. The scriptures tell us you were assigned an angel at birth. The scriptures tell us that we were not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and wickedness in high places. It's just a reality. There's a supernatural realm that exists that if you cannot see it and you want to, God will show you. It's just a matter of flipping the switch. We just finished the senior class. Thank you, Prophet Laura. It was awesome. She did a great job with that. And Cam Kins. We call Cam and Cam Kins. They led that. And it was really fun. We learned a lot um, about how to turn that gift on, how to let God activate that gift in us, right? We can literally see in the supernatural. It's normative. It's not something that is meant to be rare. Every day, everywhere you go, whatever you're doing, you should be able to hear and see what it is God's doing. Right? Jesus said he said what he heard God say, so we should be able to hear or know and get a prophetic word. Or he did what what? He saw the Father doing what God showed him. Right? So Jesus was seen all the time. And we can too. So there's this idea of, of these hosts. In 2 Kings 6, 13 to 17, it says, Elijah's servant's eyes were open to see the hosts of God. The horses and the chariots of fire were surrounding him as they were about to go to war against the king. Remember, it was just the two of them coming down that hill, and his servant looked over at him, the vast army of their opponents on the other side of the valley, and his little guy started to panic a little bit, like, what are we going to do? It's just me and you. Anybody been there where you felt like maybe you were boxed up against a vast army and it was just yep. you and your friend? Yep. And your friend knew less than you did? <laughs> and what did he say? <laughs> yeah, come on, I know. Now, you it's true. If you've been through anything, you've been there. Yeah. yeah. And you're getting a little nervous. <laughs> and you might have been the one asking, God... Open up my eyes so I can see. <laughs> That's all right. That's okay. And he opens up his servant's eyes, and there they are, all the angels in the chariot standing around him. And what did he say? Many more are them that are with us than those that are against us. Come on, somebody. Everywhere you go, not only do you have a banner over you of his love, not only is the righteousness of God in you, and you are equal to any, anything that would oppose you, but the vast army, the Lord of hosts and all of his army is at your bidding. Thank you, Lord. Come on, amen. Thank you, Lord. That's what I'm saying. I need some help. Yeah. I know those angels were working overtime prior to me knowing Jesus. And I just apologize, Father. I, I ask that you bless them. They were working some overtime keeping me out of trouble. He's good to us. It's all right, right. Yeah, it's fun. And then his last name, I, I love this too. Jehovah Shama. Isn't that beautiful? Shama. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? Shama. It means the Lord is there. Amen. I 
think about John 17 when he says, Jesus' last prayer with his disciples, and he says, Father, I don't pray that you would take them out of this world, but I pray that you would make them one Amen. as you and I are one. Mm. Me and you, you and me, and I and them. Mm. Do you remember why? So that the world will know that you have loved them. So it's a testimony of his goodness, right? And so that I may be in them as you are in me. We use that scripture a lot for a lot of the unity movements all across the city because unity is good. When the corporate body comes together, there is a profound blessing that occurs that does not occur otherwise. It's an amazing thing. He says, when the brethren drill together in unity, there the Lord, what? Commands a blessing. You know that one? Everybody knows that one. Right? Psalm 133. But this particular oneness here is actually talking about how God is in Jesus and how Jesus is in God. That kind of one. Such perfect unity that when we saw Jesus and they said, we believe, Lord, we believe. You remember the disciples said to him, we believe. And then he said, but show me the Father and I'll believe, the one said. And he said, do you not know that you've seen him? I mean, that sounds so prideful. Can you imagine somebody saying, Stephanie, 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 just show me Jesus and I'll believe and I'll say don't you know that you've seen him? That sounds arrogant, doesn't it? But it's not. The reality is this. Everywhere we go, everything we say, everything we do, we should be so one with the Lord. Christ in us, so full of his Shekinah, his glory. That's why we named ourselves that. That we should be able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen him. Not because of the outer shell that you're looking at, but because you've encountered his goodness, you've encountered his grace, you've encountered his love, you've encountered his forgiveness, you've encountered his shalom, his peace, you've encountered his healing, you've encountered his forgiveness, his awesome, awesome, unfathomable knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And I should be able to say, follow me, just like Paul did, as I follow Christ. Amen? Amen. Right? We can say that. So he goes from supreme creator of God, he created you, to letting you know he provided for you, to healing the wounds that this world has wreaked or havoc upon you, to telling you that his banner over you is love and he loves you just the way you are. And then you make him your shepherd. And everybody does this. You're not the only one. Everybody does it, honey. We all run away. Okay? Tell your neighbor, say, it's okay. We all ran away. It's okay. We all ran away. Amen. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then he becomes your peace. And your shepherd breaks. You go through that breaking process. You let him break you. You give him permission to break you. That he's come as your shepherd. And then you know and understand for the first time because the free gift he's given you, you are righteous. You are filled with the very glory of God and you now participate in the divine nature. And that all the host of heaven is at your disposal. If you'll participate with him, you can change the world. You can literally do great exploits in his name. And just like Jesus, everything you hear, if you've 
speak it, he'll begin to move through you and you'll begin to co-labor with him. And everything you see, you'll just do exactly what he says and you'll watch things shift and change around you in a way that you never thought was possible. And all of a sudden, you encounter Jehovah Shammah, Christ in me. It literally means the Lord is there. Shama. It's like Emmanuel, he is with me. Sometimes I, I tease people. I, I used to get really nervous. I work with a lot of leaders. So I used to get really nervous when I walked into a room. Glory has weight. Do you ever step into a room and you can feel the atmosphere shift when you walk into it? You just know who you're carrying. There's all the squabbling and nonsense going on. All of a sudden, you walk in the room, you can feel people prickle and get nervous, and oh my goodness, something has changed. <laughs> yes, it has. You need to settle yourself in Jesus' name. Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords just arrived on the inside of me, and he has a plan for you, and baby, that ain't it. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been like that, where you can feel a tangible difference when you're in someone's presence? That's Jehovah Shammah. That's Christ in us, the hope of glory, and you carry him. That's the journey. So he was showing me all that this morning for your friend, Jamie, who God just absolutely loves. So you can go ahead and go to that next slide. Thank you, darling. Love fully expressed is Jesus. God is love. God is not angry. And these covenant names that he talks about in the Old Testament really are a picture of his covenant love for us through Jesus Christ. Love fully expressed is Jesus. One of my favorite verses, you can turn there if you want to, is John 10, 17. Uh, the only time I heard the audible voice of God. Anybody else ever heard the audible voice of God? Yeah, Daylene, thank you. It's real common with um, apostolic leaders. I guess because maybe we're going to go through a lot more trouble, so we need a real <laughs> firm word. I was in my prayer room, and the kids were quite young, and they were outside the door, and what I would do is I'd put on movies, and there was this whole shelf of videos, and I'd let them rip all the videos off and play with the boxes. It took about 45 minutes for them to get them all off, and I knew I had 45 minutes in my prayer room in the morning, so I'd lock the door. I'd be on my face, and I was before the Lord one day. I was in a very conservative church, a very religious church, who loved the Lord and were doing the very best they knew how to do, okay? But I was young in my faith. I was pretty mature and judging them. And I was like, Lord, they don't even know you. They don't know how to love your people. They're just judging everybody that comes in. I'm complaining, okay? I was very upset. I had just come to know the Lord. I understood these people. I had compassion for them, a lot more compassion than these individuals were showing. And I was just irritated. And I heard the audible voice of God on my face that day for the first time. And I didn't even know it was scripture. That's how young I was in the Lord. And he said, all he said was this, no one takes my life from me. That was it. It bubbled up out of the inside of me like a knobby word, if you, if you don't understand the prophetic terminology for a word that bubbles up out of the inside of you. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I just got rebuked. So I apologize. Father, forgive me. Right? And I knew the moment that I heard it, the moment that he said that, he was saying, I laid my life down for them too, even if they stay right where they're at. Even if they never understand the fullness of my grace for them or for these other people that are coming in. 
you do what I tell you to do and I will take care of them because they're still my babies. I had to repent. I was judging them. In John 10, 17, I found out, I went and looked it up, of course, and did some research because I'm thinking I'm either losing my mind and going to the loony bin or this is the real deal. So I looked this up in the word and here it is, John 10. And it's in the context of the scripture we just talked about where he said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. He said, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock. Can anybody say one flock? One flock. Come on. It's time for the one flock. Right? Yes. The ethnos, we're called to the nations, the ethnos, the different peoples. But we are one body. Amen? Amen. One body. We are brothers and sisters. And here he says it right here in verse 17. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life. Only to take it up again in verse 18 is what he said to me. No one takes my life from me. but I lay it down of my own accord. I chose to lay it down for them. Amen. He said, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it back up again. And just like that, just like Jesus, there's gonna be seasons in our life where we have authority to lay it down and there'll be a season where he'll tell us to lay our lives down for other people and we'll stay in a certain place and do a certain thing just like I did with that particular church. He had me stay there for a couple more years. Love them, love them, Stephanie. And then it was like I finally got to the point where I was like, yay, I love it here, I get it, I've grown in love, I'm so happy. And he says, okay, it's time to go. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa wait, Willis, what are you talking about? Hold on, <laughs> I just got comfortable. He's like, yeah, that's the point. No one takes my life from me. Love fully expressed always results in one's willingness to lay down their life for another, to allow them to freely choose whether they'll receive that gift. And it stays for a season. But sometimes when they're like, yeah, no, thank you, love will pick itself up and walk away. You familiar with the scripture where Paul says, turn them over? Nobody likes that scripture, okay? And a lot of churches have done wrong by a lot of people by pulling them up front and shaming people. But there's a time to turn some things over. The image on the screen behind me, the picture of Jesus, it was drawn by an eight-year-old girl who had a vision of the Lord. Okay, we got all these pictures out there. We got white Jesus, Catholic Jesus, black Jesus, purple Jesus. Okay, this eight-year-old had a vision of Jesus. Jesus is Jewish, we know that. The scripture tells us he's Jewish. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is a Jew. He don't look like you. He's a Jew, but he does look like you. He looks like you, because okay. you're a Jew. And we need to be okay with this. He okay? looks like me. Oh my goodness, seriously. God did that on purpose. So a king, Kramarik, eight years old, has this vision of Jesus right here. She paints the picture. 
Which, if you get something like that, you do something like that, I need you to copyright it, because she lost the copyright on that. Okay, she, didn't she did not copyright that, yeah. So you gotta take care of your business, okay? Don't play around do. with that kind of stuff. That's right. Then you remember, did you hear the story about having is for real, the little boy that died and um, went to heaven? Did you hear that story, the little blonde boy, right? That was in the movies, it was in the theaters. So he goes to heaven, comes back, starts telling his parents about all this stuff that happened there, what Jesus looks like, what Jesus said to him. It's a beautiful story if you haven't read it. And when he saw this picture, he goes, that's Jesus, that's him. And I love, I love looking at this picture. You can, when you look in his eyes, they're gentle, but they're not soft. They're piercing, but they're not intimidating. They're powerful, but they're not scary. Love fully expressed lays down its life for you and for me. And when it's being fully expressed through us, we will lay down our lives for others. Now, just like you said, I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it back up again. There's seasons, and it's okay. It's not a bad thing. Know your season. We all know this one. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his one and only son. That whosoever, what? Come on, you know this. Believed in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's right. Grace is the gift of Jesus' righteousness on our behalf, and it is free. You don't have to earn it. It's the bridge that takes us from the mess of our own sin across the chasm that we can never cross on our own to the tree of life, who is Jesus himself. I love Romans 11, 3, 4. It says, Christ is the end of the law. Mm. Come on. Somebody needs to hear that. Christ is the end of the law. The end. I didn't make that up. That's the word of God. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Anyone who trusts in him will never, tell your neighbor, never. You're never going to be put to shame. You will never be put to shame. God will never shame you. So I want to tell you this too, because I, I feel like there's somebody listening online today who needs to hear this. If you are in a place where the leadership is shaming you, you need to shift. If God tells you to stay, pray for them. But you need to know it is not the heart of God. God never shames us, ever. And then it goes on in Romans 11:13. 13, that voice after that, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God's people said, Amen. Todd, can you go ahead and put some music on? Uh, no. Oh, that's right. We can't do that. Okay. So, Jackie, can you come up and play? Uh, Cammy, just some keys and some something, something, something. What God tells you. <laughs> Whatever it is, it is. Amen. Amen. So, here we like to practice what we call activation. Can you say activation? Activation. activation. Yes, activation. <laughs> We like to have fun. We like to not just talk about the word, but we actually like to apply the word of God to our lives, right? So the fun part's knowing what it says. Sometimes, you know, we like to make it harder than it needs to be when we activate it. That just means we're going to do something with it. We're not just going to receive it and our heads get really big and we feel really good about ourselves and we came to church, we're going to do something with it, okay? So activation, the definition of activation is the process of making something active or operative. Okay, that's kind of a military approach to that. 
all right? Or if you think about it from a technology perspective, you're gonna actually activate the app, okay? We're not just gonna let it sit out in our iCloud cyberspace. We're gonna put it down on our, we're gonna download it and we're gonna activate it, okay? Revelation brings responsibility. Knowledge puffs up, but love what? Edifies, right? So we're gonna, we're gonna shift from the place of just knowing something to actually being able to ask God for the grace because it comes from him through us, right? It's not something we actually have to do in and of ourselves. We're actually just asking him to come and to make that so in us, right? We talk a lot about spiritual gifts here. Spiritual gifts can be taught, they can be caught, and they can be activated by faith. It tells us to seek, seek after the spiritual gifts, okay? It's not prideful or arrogant or selfish to do that. You're actually seeking after him and in the ability to walk in more of who Christ really is, who God is. The ability to really actually get out of the way and let him flow through you more fully. Does that make sense? So every time we go through these activation pieces, I always participate. You'll always see me come up and get prayer um, just because I want to keep moving on up. I want to keep climbing that mountain. I want to keep getting pure. I want to keep looking more and more like Jesus. I want to be a great blessing because it says she who is forgiven much loves much. And I have been forgiven a lot. And I am really, really thankful. We want you to know something that revelation can come to you through all five senses, okay? Your sight, your hearing, taste, smell, or touch. So you might be in a room and you might be sensing something's hot or something's cold. God's trying to tell you something. And it's as simple as saying, Holy Spirit, what is this? And what do you want me to do about it? Whether it's a smell. Sometimes you'll smell a sweet fragrance of roses or incense or some interesting thing you haven't smelled for. Holy Spirit, what is this? And what do you want me to do about it? Maybe you have a weird taste on your mouth or in your tongue. It could taste like honey or it could taste like something bitter, but you don't know. But you just ask, Holy Spirit, what is this? And what do you want me to do about it? We always say interpretation is key. Most people don't get the revelation wrong. They get the interpretation of the revelation wrong, which is how cults are started. It's how pride is stoked. The fire of pride is stoked in us. It's how the enemy gets a foothold and creates poor doctrine and wounds people in the church. So we, I'm just going to say it again. If you hear, sense, any of the five senses something, you need to ask Holy Spirit, what is this? What does it mean? And what do you want me to do about it? Okay? We have to ask God. We should never assume. So I'm thinking of a story real quick that goes along with that. You remember when Elijah went to the, um, the general about the war and he gave him the arrows and he told him to strike the ground with the arrows and it would determine whether or not they won the war. Do you remember that story in the Old Testament? You familiar with that? It's about the Syrian army, yeah? And he took those arrows and he struck the ground three times. The general never took the time to say, well, how many times should I strike the ground? He just took it into his own hands and went after it, right? Do you remember what Elijah, the Lord had Elijah say after that? Do you remember? He said, if you had struck the ground five or even seven times, you would have defeated the army completely, but because you only struck it three times, 
that's why we talk so much about the interpretation being important. You need to ask Daddy, what does he want you to do with that revelation? And in those moments, then you're going to go from faith to faith and glory to glory. And every time you obey, every time you ask, every time you seek him, you're going to get one step closer to who he is. Every time you unveil your face and reveal where you're at and let him know that you need more of him, you receive more of his grace. You look more and more like him. And there's more and more of Christ in you. You carry more Shekinah, more glory, more weight. You're able to walk into a different room and change the literal atmosphere. God is no respecter of persons, and the angels have arrived. Thank you, Father. That is our sign. Amen. We thank you for that. It's funny. Every once in a while, the angels will show up and they'll play these random notes. I kid you not. The first time it happened, it was just like, poof. They were excited. And we received that. So I'm actually going to have Jamar come up. I'm going to have Laura come up. I'm going to have you guys be the prayer team today. And if you want an increased grace, I'm just going to say to fully express the love of God, to walk in love, to live out love in a greater measure. And God is eternal, so we all, there's more love we can all walk in. Amen. And you come on down and receive that. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.